Hello and welcome back to the Elevated Self podcast where we combine science and spirituality to redefine holistic nourishment. I'm your host Crystal Ryan and my intention with each episode is for you to come away with a deeper connection to and understanding about yourself to generate a truly transformational human experience. I'm so grateful you're taking time out of your day to listen, learn and grow. So let's get woo-woo on our journey to your elevated self. Hello, beautiful, beautiful people. I am just so, so excited to be chatting to the beautiful Desiree today, all about uh, beliefs and subconscious programming. Desiree is honestly the most beautiful, beautiful golden light. Um, I met her through my NLP master's in um, business launch uh, coaching, could you call it a school, coaching school? <laughs> and yeah. We, we connected together uh, through our mutual love for um, mindset and uh, really specifically looking at like that subconscious programming that happens in our really early years. And she's just honestly so genuine and so bubbly and so beautiful that I just wanted to get her on so you guys could meet her. So welcome, Desiree. Oh, thank you so much for that beautiful intro, Crystal. That was so heartwarming. First thing in the morning, lovely words of affirmation. Thank you for that. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. No worries. Thank you for your time. And um, I thought uh, before we really um, dive into uh, your journey, just basically pre-framing, we really want to talk today about uh, limiting beliefs in general. And I feel like the term gets thrown around so often and you know, we, f- we feel like we just need to rewrite it. We just need to move forward. And But honestly, there's so much power in actually learning where these beliefs come from and actually, you know, feeling into them and, and hearing them and allowing them to be heard because what we resist persists, right? So if we just ignore it and just keep going and keep going, then essentially these, these will always be a player in our life. But when we actually give it time to learn about where they come from, that's where we can really step into that self-empowerment. Um, so this is what we're going to chat about today and um, you know you're standing before me this this um, this beautiful lady who's uh, now fully into her uh, um, coaching business and how how did you come to be where you are now Desiree like what's been your experience with personal development and with limiting beliefs and um, yeah with your mindset yeah absolutely Um, It's so interesting. I think that what you said about really feeling into the limiting beliefs is so important and such a valuable thing to do when we look at really feeling self-empowered. And I'm sure we'll get into that more as we uh, divulge through this conversation today. But I guess just to answer your question around what my journey has looked like, I think I really started on my path of personal development from a really young age without even really knowing it. Um, I remember when I was about 12, the first time I went through something um, really quite traumatic and difficult within my family, I remember having a conscious experience where I decided to go and take myself for a run when I had the option to either collapse or expand. Um, And what I mean by that is I had the option to do something nourishing for myself or to self-sabotage in response to the difficulty around me. Um, And that was really the first time I remember like making that conscious decision. There were things that were happening in my life even earlier on from a younger age, but um, I don't really remember making conscious decisions around my reactions to them. So when I was about 12, that was really when everything started and I didn't really know I was on a path of personal development. Um, I definitely went through a lot of ups and downs with my journey of self-belief and self-worth. Something that I do in my signature program, Inner Alchemy, is um, I really focus with my clients on healing their sense of self-worth because I really believe that that's what it all comes down to. So your beliefs are really just um, kind of the surface level of the feeling state. So when we look at a belief, it's like a combination of emotion and thought and it's really repeated thoughts over and over that we decide are true and that forms a belief and i think it's important to look at what is the deeper emotion underneath that belief and so for a lot of people i think that really comes down to a lack of self-worth 
and then depending on their worth that feeds into the things that they believe about themselves and about life um, so that's really what I focus on with my clients and it's something that has become a passion of mine as a result of my own path and my own journey so um, I definitely went through lots of ups and downs like I said and that manifested in different ways um, whether it was through experiencing toxic relationships that were just reflecting back to me my own lack of worthiness or um, whether it was health issues I had a lot of health issues uh, earlier on in life so there were lots of different things that were happening in my physical reality that would reflect back to me my sense of um, contentment inner peace and self-worth at the time I didn't fully understand this so I've definitely thrown myself headfirst into every form of um, education, be it self-education or formal. I have a degree in psychology. I've also studied nutrition, yoga, um, NLP, of course, and coaching. And a big part of this, I think, was my desire to understand myself better and be able to give myself the tools to really create an abundant and beautiful and juicy life but then it's just been honestly the biggest blessing to be able to gift this knowledge to other people who are walking a similar path and looking for these tools so yeah that's really um, kind of my Cole's notes version of my story beautiful that's huge and so taking it back to when you were 12 and you said you know you had this realization was there something that um you know brought on this realization for you or was it you know just this awakening um I've always been a very spiritually in tune person um from a really really young age like I remember being a child and asking my mom to pray with me my family was not religious at all um I just always felt like this deep connection to source and this desire to be connected to something beyond myself from a very young age and I think actually a lot of people probably resonate with that but we become conditioned out of this connection um, a lot of the time so that was kind of like my spiritual experience from a young age and I wouldn't say I went through an awakening per se but I think really what it was was um, me just understanding that I was able to see the way that other people's decisions were either positively or negatively impacting their well-being and through my observation of other people I decided to make a conscious decision around what I thought would be supportive for myself. Um, I know that sounds <laughs> interesting when you think about a 12 year old thinking <laughs> that way but yeah I don't know I guess I just um, saw the impact of things around me and I decided that I wanted more for myself and I decided that um, I was going to make that happen. That's huge. That's beautiful. Little 12-year-old Desiree, I love it. And how do you think that kind of lens, <laughs> that kind of lens has guided your life, like having that lens of being aware of how people, um, people's actions and and words is are affecting you and how your actions and words are affecting people how how does that lens kind of carry throughout your life mm. I remember when I was younger um when I was in my early 20s and late teens and kind of starting to enter the dating world I remember feeling like I was always too sensitive like I just felt like something was wrong with me I remember I would always say like this is the biggest blessing and the biggest curse like all in one um, it's interesting though because the more that I work with people and the more I understand people the more I see that this is actually not so uncommon um, I think a lot of people just suppress it mm. so really for me for a long time it was kind of this double-edged sword where having this deep like introspective lens and this desire to always um, get to the root of things. I would consider myself a truth seeker. I'm always asking why and looking for the deeper answers and looking to understand people as well. So I think for a long time, this was something that really um, was a beautiful aspect in the way that I was able to connect very deeply with 
the people who were close in my life, my friends, my family, um, people I was dating, I was able to establish that deep connection. But at the same time, when things went wrong or when um, there would be experiences where I would maybe feel a little bit out of place in the sense that I would perceive that other people weren't like this and it was isolating for me. Um, But I think as I've continued to develop my own mindset and really start to be intentional about the way that I view everything in my life, I just feel that this is um, increasingly something that I am grateful for and a quality that I think has really allowed me to be very conscious with the way that I live my life and the Mm -hmm. way that I um, kind of discern who and what is in my life. So it's definitely something that I feel very grateful for and I think has really allowed me to be really intentional about my decisions. That's beautiful and I really deeply resonate with that as for myself you know I had the belief for so long that me being ultra sensitive or you know, like empathically in tune to you know the world around us and people around us was was something to be um was something to resent and was something to be angry about and frustrated like oh gosh crystal like you can't even you know chat to this person or connect with this person without crying or um and had i had so much anger towards it and uh through some guidance of mentoring myself like realized that this is actually like my superpower you know this is mm-hmm. something that's so beautiful within me and able for me to you know like there's always going to be ebbs and flows in life and it's how how beautiful that you and I get to you know experience everything to the fullest like yes we might feel um, sad emotions stronger but heck when we feel those happy joyful gratitude moments you know we're dancing on the beach just like heart open <laughs> feeling so incredible and and through that lens it really helps us to tap back into ourselves and tap back into the journey that we're actually on right Absolutely. It's so funny that you say that. I just resonate so deeply with everything you just said. And I think that as we continue to become more self-aware, it becomes a lot easier to attract other people into our lives that are kind of vibrating on this wavelength and view life in this way. And it's um, very comforting to come across those people. Yeah, 100%. That's beautiful. And speaking of limiting beliefs, that's something that we definitely want to dive into um, today. So, you know, like, can you explain what, like, what limiting beliefs are and and how, how they actually hold us back from living our potential? Absolutely. So, like I said before, a belief is essentially a repeated thought um, paired with an emotion that we decide is true. So, I think something that I see a lot of in my clients is um, people who absolutely believe in their beliefs in the sense that they don't question it as the truth, they just take it as truth. And I think this becomes very dangerous when it is a limiting belief um, because we essentially are deciding that we deciding by default that we don't have the power to make things different. Um, So a lot of the time, this isn't actually a conscious decision. It's an unconscious decision to just accept these beliefs as the truth instead of really questioning, why do I have this belief? Or how can I challenge this belief? We just accept it. So examples of limiting beliefs can be the belief I'm not worthy, um, the belief I'm not capable, and really these can expand in so many different ways they're so nuanced they can be um, really branched out from those two core beliefs there can be lots of little ones that feed into it but essentially when we look at what a limiting belief is it's a belief which again is thoughts paired with emotion that we decide is true Um, and a limiting belief is a belief that stops us from moving forward in life and A lot of the time, these limiting beliefs can really be at the core of self-sabotage and they can really hold us back in life from being able to accomplish the things that we desire to accomplish. And I think that looking at our limiting beliefs, looking at where they come from 
and really understanding, you know, that we have the power to change them is one of the things that we can do to really start to feel self-empowered and live a life and create an existence that um, supports us with what we are trying to achieve. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's awareness precedes change, right? That's when we actually decide to look inward and look at what's been going on and, and the thoughts that are getting repeated over and over and over in our mind. That's where we can really start to step into that self-empowerment, right? Absolutely. And it's it's so interesting with these limiting beliefs, like often it can just feel like we have no control over the, our monkey mind and it's just going crazy, crazy, crazy. And it can honestly always feel like these beliefs are just like filling our brain and we just have no idea where they've come from. And like you say, we, we believe them and we, we say them so often that they've just become a part of us. So how can we actually start to become more aware of where they come from? Mm, absolutely. So beliefs are really interesting because like you said, a lot of the time we just experience our monkey mind and it can feel really overwhelming for us. It can feel like something that we don't have control over, but in reality, we can actually decide to rewire these beliefs and take that power back. So there are a few different ways we can do this. Um, in my program, Inner Alchemy, the first week we focus on um, breaking free from your past. So something that I have my clients do is they go in and they do a lot of self-reflection and journaling around um, with prompts, of course, and, and structured exercises, but they do a lot of work around um, looking at what their belief system actually is, what their map of the world is or their view of the world, and uncovering where this came from. Because a lot of the time, um, we actually develop these beliefs in our very early childhood. So between the time that we are in utero to the age of seven, that's when our subconscious mind is being developed. And this is happening on an unconscious level, so we're not aware of the fact that this is happening. And then because this is our narrative in our subconscious mind, not our conscious mind, um, again, we believe this to be true. So it's not something that we question a lot of the time. And by going in and doing this intentional work and this self-reflection, we're actually able to make connections between maybe events or people or experiences that have influenced our map of the world and um maybe created these beliefs for us from that young age and then as an adult we get to go back in and we get to decide whether or not we want to take these beliefs with us moving forward or let go of them and there are a few different ways that we can let go of them of course on a conscious level making that decision but we can also do various practices with the subconscious mind to really um, release these beliefs from the unconscious and I really think that's the most powerful way to do it because, um, you know, studies have shown that it takes a lot longer to change a belief if we're only working with the conscious mind than it does if we're working with those unconscious and subconscious parts of ourselves. 100%. Amazing. And so, you know, for, for someone who's tuning in and just has no idea what the subconscious and the conscious and unconscious brain looks like, um, can you explore that a little bit more and, and maybe exploring like the, the functions? Because often I know for myself, when I started learning about this, I would be so frustrated by my conscious brain that would, or my subconscious that would um, put me down and say these limiting beliefs, but really they all serve like a beautiful role and a beautiful function. Yeah, absolutely. So first I'd just like to um, acknowledge what you said. I love how you said that, they do serve a purpose. Um, I think sometimes in the world of self-development, there's kind of, I just, <laughs> I know this isn't your question, but I just felt the need to bring this up before diving into your question. Um, <laughs> I really think that there's kind of this, this issue actually where um, people are viewing themselves as broken and in like some of my messaging, I do use the word healing, but I actually don't really like that word because I think it kind of implies that a person is broken. And I think it's so important to realize that none of us are broken. We can have things in our life that aren't maybe serving us or aren't working for us. And because of that, 
we can um, use that as an invitation to give more attention and effort to um, cultivating and nourishing these areas of our lives and ourselves so that we can live the most supportive life available to us. But like you said, even our limiting beliefs can serve a purpose. So I think it's just just a little side note. I think it's just really important um, for anyone listening to remember that you're not broken. And even if there are things about you that don't currently feel like they're serving you, um, there is a purpose and, and you can turn that pain into purpose and into power. And I just felt the need to <laughs> address that. But um, <laughs> in terms of the subconscious, the conscious and the unconscious mind. So it's interesting because depending on the person that you speak to, you know, some people will really use the words unconscious and subconscious mind interchangeably. And they're not um, fully defined in the sense that there isn't um, full consensus in the world of psychology and spirituality around these terms. So that's part of the reason why it can feel confusing for people. Um, But really when we look at the conscious mind, so this is the part of your mind that is responsible for making um, intentional decisions. Um, it's really anything that you do with a level of awareness. So that is when we, that is what we mean when we use the word like conscious thought or conscious decision making. It's really doing something with a level of awareness attached to it. Um, studies have shown that between five and ten percent of our mind is, um, or sorry, between five and ten percent of our decisions and our behavior is regulated by our conscious mind. So really close to 90 to 95% of our behavior and decisions are actually controlled by the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind. So it's really powerful when you understand this statistic and when you understand this concept because, um, you know, this is why a lot of people might try things like affirmations. They might repeat over and over all day long until their face turns blue, you know, I am worthy, but they might um, not really experience changes for years. Um, And this is really because when we look at making sustainable change, we do need to consider the subconscious and the unconscious mind. So when we look at the function of that part of our mind, it's really our thought processes, memory, and motivation, and all of this is influenced um, by those first seven years of development. So the reason for this is because when we are young, the majority of our brain waves um, are functioning on an alpha or a theta brain wave. So for the purpose of this conversation, we'll talk about three main brain waves. So alpha and theta are really those slower brain waves that occur when we're meditating, when we're sleeping. And when we are children, this is um, the majority of our brainwave activity is in these slower, um, these slower states. And this is what activates the subconscious mind. As well, when we're young, our prefrontal cortex isn't developed. So this really starts to develop when we are in adolescence and um, early adulthood. So it develops up until the age of 25. And this is really the part of your mind that's responsible for logic and reasoning. So when you can understand that, you can understand that when you're a child, you really are not perceiving the world through that state of um, logic and reasoning. So this is where that concept paired with the state of your brain waves that are occurring when you're that age um, really make for the perfect foundation of a very um, sponge-like mind. So you're really just absorbing everything around you without questioning it. And this is where all of your beliefs are formed. We form neural pathways in the mind um, and these can be solidified during those early ages. So really when we look at creating sustainable change we do definitely want to look at working with this part of the mind Mm, that's so beautiful i love 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 the way that you explain everything it's like coupling that science and spirituality which i just love and 
between those first seven years to life, when we have those slow brainwaves, we're not only our subconscious more impressionable, but we're also learning how how to survive, like or who we need to be in order to receive love and therefore receive food and therefore receive shelter. And um, so that's where, you know, so many of our beliefs form on on who do we need to be in order to, you know, receive love from these parents. Um, and actually, you know, that's when we can really have these beliefs ingrained in us from parents at such a young age. Um, for you as well, what would you say would be like um, the actual like function of the subconscious um, when we actually step into self-empowerment with it? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think that when we look at self-empowerment, empowerment really means being able to step forward into our lives from a place of deep worthiness and um, really honoring ourselves honoring ourselves with every decision that we make. So I think the function of the subconscious mind within the experience of self-empowerment, it really comes down to understanding that you get to create a future and a life for yourself that feels really good. And how can we use all of the resources available to us to create this experience of reality? So one of the major resources that we have available to us is our mind, of course. Um, so really understanding that the subconscious mind is such a crucial part of our experience of life. Um, one little example to deepen people's understanding of this part of our mind. I'm not sure if you've ever had the experience of driving somewhere and you start thinking about something else. And then somehow you just get to the place that you're going and you get there and you realize you're there and suddenly it's like you snap back into reality and you're like, holy crap, I am so thankful I didn't get into a car crash. Like, how did I even get here? I wasn't paying attention. So what happens during that experience is your subconscious mind just fully takes over. And... I think that when we can understand, like when we can truly grasp how powerful this part of our mind is and we can truly understand like how much of the show it's actually running, um, that's when we understand in fullness how crucial it is to really be able to start to rewire the subconscious mind so that we can feel empowered um, instead of just recycling our experiences as a result of having um, this unconscious mind that we haven't even bothered tapping into. Mm, that's huge. Yeah, there's so many times that you'll be driving, you're like, this should not be a subconscious task. Why is that <laughs> happening? Um, crazy. And I think, you know, when we start to have this awareness that, you know, our beliefs are formed in our younger age, it's it's so easy for us to just you know turn to our parents and just point the finger and just be like oh okay you did this to me like you're the reason I'm like this um but I I really believe that you know we choose our parents so we we choose our parents when we incarnate on this earth to learn a particular lesson that you know we're here to learn in this lifetime and I think these parents that they actually mirror like a lesson that we're trying to learn and it's the same with any uh, relationship or any interaction that we have with someone, you know, it's the belief that we might have or this negative mindset that we might have is actually, you know, a lesson that we need to front up to and need to learn to. Um, so for, for yourself, like, has there been a limiting belief or like a, a lesson that, you know, you've worked through and realized that, you know, this had maybe came from past programming when you were a child as well? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a huge list of beliefs. Um, I really love what you said though, and I definitely want to second that. I fully agree. Um, it's really interesting, and this is probably a whole other can of worms, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot, like really my spiritual beliefs around our decision to incarnate um, into the life that we have and I think that really something I'd love to start talking about more is just in general, the conversation around like um, social justice and activism and how that intersects with spirituality, because so many of my spiritual beliefs um, 
I feel like I really challenge myself on because I understand that I have been born into a lot of privilege in a lot of ways and it's all well and good to say like oh I chose this life I chose like this path but would I still be able to stand strong and say that if I were to be born into heaps of oppression Um, so that's just like one little note something that again is probably another can of worms but um, just kind of my my view on that and what I'm still trying to work out but in terms of my limiting beliefs um, and in terms of also like our journey of self-development and nourishing our emotional well-being I think it's so important with every level of um, discovery that we go through to always have that self-compassion but also compassion for our parents Mm -hmm. understanding that people do the best they can with what they have most of the time and this is something I help my clients with as well um, in inner alchemy when they do go through that experience of rewiring their past but um, I think for me it was definitely a journey it was something where I went through a lot of ebbs and flows around like feeling anger towards certain experiences I had feeling a lot of sadness and self-pity Um, just really feeling this huge spectrum of emotions before I finally got to a place of acceptance and really being able to have that compassion for my loved ones. I think one of my biggest struggles throughout my life has been my experience within romantic relationships. And um, this is something that I've since become very passionate about in helping my clients with. And the reason for this is because A lot of our um, experiences within romantic relationships can really mirror our experiences with our parents. This is quite Freudian in terms of like psychology, but I do think that there's a lot of merit to it as well. So um, I know I'm kind of waffling on a bit here, but to answer your question, the limiting belief that I think was really profound that I had to work through and has kind of been a theme through my life has been the belief that I'm not worthy of healthy love. And what's really interesting is that um, if somebody were to have confronted me five years ago and said, hey, I think you have this belief, I'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) No, I don't. Like, what do you mean? That's not like, that does not make sense to me. I don't resonate with that. Like, no. Um, And I think a bit of that is ego. So there's definitely a journey within that as well. It's, It's all so interconnected. But um, it's definitely something now where in hindsight, I'm able to connect all the pieces and it's really been a result of doing all the inner work myself and really reflecting on like experiences I had as a child and um, what I internalized those those experiences to mean. So um, yeah, without getting into like too many details, I definitely understand now that my parents always did the best that they could with what they had. There were times when um, I didn't always feel like fully supported. And I think because of that, it kind of was was a time where I internalized this idea that I'm not deserving of healthy love. And then I recycled that experience. I recycled that belief. And it was um, really affirmed to me through some experiences I had in romantic relationships. So I think this is really where the self-awareness piece becomes so valuable because once we can start to identify and understand our beliefs and then identify and understand where they've come from, that's when we can really challenge them and understand that they're not the truth. And through going through that process, we can anchor in new beliefs and really empower ourselves to create a new reality. Beautiful. I love that. And I love the vulnerability with that. So thank you. I think there's so much power in, in recognizing, you know, the, these beliefs that have been driving us our whole life. Like, and it's specifically understanding which, which parent we really like craved love from the most and who did we have to be in order to receive love from that parent. So for myself, you know, um, my dad loved him to bits. We had a bit of a disconnected relationship for a lot of my childhood. And in order to receive love from him, I felt like I needed to, you know, be the top of this, be this top accolade. I needed to constantly be striving to be seen. 
and like in order to you know receive any kind of appreciation or or love and at the time and and when I learned about this belief I had so much resentment against him like oh you know like um can't believe you like made me into this person that's so obsessed with being busy and so obsessed with burning myself out but now looking through that lens you know as you say, like they were doing the best that they could with their level of awareness and their level of consciousness and, and their tools and resources and and recognizing and actually thanking him because without him and without that relationship that we had, then, you know, I might not be here right now do, recording this potty. I might not have my drive. I might not have my uh, hardworking ethic because I hadn't have gone through that. So I think there's such a important um, part to this rewriting subconscious belief journey of actually thanking, uh, thanking the person or thanking the scenario that brought this into your life because there's no way you'd be the person you are here until like you learn to like love and accept every experience that's actually brought you to where you are now, right? Mm, definitely. I'm sitting here grinning like as I'm listening to you <laughs> saying this because you and I haven't really talked about any of this prior to hopping on this podcast and I'm just constantly amazed by <laughs> um, how vibration just speaks volumes and how we really magnetize um, things that we have within us we magnetize that to us. So it's just so interesting because everything you just shared around your relationship with your dad, like I could have said those exact same words and it would have been highly relevant to my life. So um, it's just funny how we share that experience and we didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's also funny to me how, you know, we're in this, this business school at the moment and you and I have just been celebrated for closing over $10,000 worth of sales within less than a month. Um, and it's interesting to me as like you and I are the two people who have made that accomplishment, you know, in this, in this container. And it's funny because I think that we would be ignorant to say that that's not connected to our experiences growing up with our parents and with maybe this level of expectation or feeling like we needed to earn love. Um, I think part of that is also like internalized perfectionism and internalized like capitalism and all the things that we could go off about and just talk about for ages. But um, again, it's that duality, right? It's that experience of I have so much gratitude for these parts of me and I can accept that this is a part of my path and a part of my journey and I can feel, I can choose to feel grateful for um, the experiences that have made me who I am, but you only get to that place after first allowing yourself to feel into the depths of difficulty and maybe some of those emotions include things like anger and resentment and frustration and why me and just all the things um but that's also something it's funny it's it's also something i work with my clients a lot around is um really unlearning the the belief that they need to earn love um i really truly believe that all of us who exist on planet earth are innately worthy of love um, it's a vibration that we are all i think really deserving of and it's our birthright and I think that so much of the time we're conditioned to believe otherwise that we need to be, do, or create something in order to receive love instead of understanding that it's just us who we are. Um, because of who we are, we are worthy. Mm. Because we exist, we are worthy. That is so beautiful. That is very interesting that you and I have felt so vibrationally connected to each other and yeah, you're so right. It's, it's that these beautiful parts that have molded us and shaped us to who we are that, you know, create us to be so so similar and so uh, like shared valued as well. I've, I've really consciously switched from, I always used to say I, I like connecting with like-minded people, but recently I've really switched it to be shared valued people because I actually mm -hmm. really enjoy you know, having conversations with people with, with adverse opinions, but I think shared values is so important. Like, cause you, you have that same, uh, those so motivations, those same meanings of fun, those same, um, joys and, um, things that you like doing. 
So I think that's really special to connect with on that. Agreed. I think another really beautiful part about this whole subconscious programming, and I heard you mention the ego just before as well, is actually realizing that the ego, that little negative voice inside our head, always has the purest intentions of and of ourselves and our highest potential in mind. Because so so easy when we start to be on this personal development journey and we start to uh, okay, cool. I just need to like rewrite this belief. I just need to flip it on its head. And like you say, go blue in the face, just focusing on the conscious brain when really the ego is just there to protect us. It's, it's there to keep us safe. So, you know, for example, um, for so long, I had the belief that if I, you know, ate certain foods like rice, <laughs> it would make me fat. And, um, I ha- would have this belief come up like, Oh, don't eat, don't eat that. You're going to get fat. You're going to get fat. And, for so long, I just, oh, shut up, ego, shut up, ego, and just negate it, negate it, negate it. But I have realized that by seeing the light in the ego and seeing the light in its responsibility to keep me safe, I've been able to really like love and actually nurture and um, allow it to be heard to fully rewrite that belief. So for an example, with, with the eating one, like recognizing that, yeah, like if I went out and had 30 KFC meals three times a day, yeah, I probably would get fat. So thank you ego for protecting my health and, um, actually looking out for me, but you know, it's all good. Like I've got this, um, have you kind of had a similar experience like with your ego? Like what's been your journey with understanding the ego? I love what you said about that. I think that um, this is also something I teach, so it's so funny. I didn't know that a lot of these things would come up today, but um, of course they have because, like we said, you know, similar vibrations, similar values. So it makes sense that this conversation is coming about in such an organic way. And it's definitely something that I think is a shared theme in both of our work. So that's beautiful. Um, For me, I think a lot of this has kind of developed through my experience of yoga, Um, really learning to sit with myself and find a sense of contentment and peace and appreciation for all parts of me. And I think that when we look at duality, so much of the time, like um, the law of duality, right? It's one of the 12 laws of the universe. And it says that for every um, experience and every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, or for any energy, there's an equal and opposite energy. And so I think like when we look at the ego and the higher self, so much of the time the ego can kind of get like a bad reputation, right? Like people think that the ego is something to dominate and overcome. Whereas in reality, I think that the ego is actually something that serves a very profound purpose and it's something to befriend. It's really about befriending the ego. Um, I definitely am somebody who has a pretty big ego. I'm an Aries woman and I'm very fiery and um, my partner would definitely be able to vouch for this. (laughs) So it's something where, I don't know, I think like sometimes I do get frustrated with my ego. I um, I definitely don't always feel like it's something that I can be grateful for. But at the same time, I do logically understand the purpose within that. Um, I think what you were saying about like, I don't know, I, I don't really have any similar experiences with um, like the ego in relation to eating. But I think in regards to things like Um, business goals or just like my own self-protection I think where I see it the most is um, within my relationships again coming back to that theme so I think like when I'm having an argument with my partner for example it's very easy for me to get into a place where I'm like screw you (laughs) like I'm I'm just wanting to like protect myself and I'm going to um, act out of this place where I'm just very focused on my own self-preservation. And so I think befriending the ego and we really look at that from like a tangible perspective and we break that down in like an experience where you're having a heightened emotion. This can look like 
observing your monkey mind. So this is where I'm going to tie back in that experience of yoga and how this has really helped me. So when you look at like meditation, the goal isn't to just have a fully quiet mind. The goal is to be able to allow your thoughts to come and go, observe them, let them pass without attachment. So we're really stepping out, we're zooming out and we are observing our monkey mind and just allowing it to do its thing um, without attachment to it. So I think through doing this and through practicing this, it's really allowed me to have that skill of being able to zoom out and observe myself when I'm in a heated moment. So if I am going through like an argument with my partner, for example, um, it's kind of like the ability to zoom out and watch myself and watch the ego desiring to have this like heated reaction and then being able to say it's okay i am able to have gratitude for my ego like thank you for trying to protect me i understand that that's what you're trying to do but i'm going to choose instead to dissolve the illusion of separateness and understand that like we are on the same team, we are looking to achieve the same thing, and, like, how can I come back to love? That is so beautiful. I love the way you explain that, and I love how you explain by zooming out as well because that's exactly how I explain it Um, because so often, you know, when we're in these situations of conflict or even conflict in the mind is is we dive in and, and we just let that ego flare because we're not even consciously aware of it. And so I think, like you say, like meditation is such a beautiful practice of actually taking the time to sit and and observe without attachment. I think for so for so long I perceived meditation as something that you have to just absolutely silent in your mind, sit cross-legged, straight back, and just think nothing. But like we're human, like that's near impossible. You know, like we have this beautiful mind that's always going to be thinking thoughts. And it's it's less about quieting it and more about actually just observing it and and actually being curious as to what comes up because when you take that time to sit and reflect and actually be in the present moment that's when you're recalling your energy from the past you're recalling your energy from the future and actually like being here now and that's when it's that's when you know things that might have been needing to surface or wanting to surface has that opportunity to come up that's when that subconscious mind starts to you know really start to actually um able to be heard and be impressionable as well so speaking of being impressionable now that we've you know say we've become aware of these these thoughts and and we've become aware of these beliefs how how can we actually like rewire them how can we actually like biohack the subconscious yeah definitely so uh, I know that we touched on this a little bit earlier with um the concept of NLP so I think To answer this, I'll really just dive into the experience of NLP and why it's useful and what it really does. So this is honestly one of my favorite ways to um, biohack the subconscious, so to speak. So what happens a lot of the time is we have this subconscious experience that is constantly playing out in our minds, um, dictating our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions. Most people don't have awareness of the fact that this is happening. Um, We also have a lot of memories that are repressed in our subconscious mind. So stored memories and stored thoughts that we aren't really aware of. And these are all kind of like this big mixing pot of things that contribute to the way we're experiencing life today. So when we go through an experience like NLP, The practitioner, if they know what they're doing, (laughs) which I hope they do, um, they will take you into a state where you're actually able to go into a theta or alpha brainwave. So you are essentially being guided into an experience like meditation where your brain is more susceptible to retrieving past suppressed memories. Then in the experience, the practitioner will allow you to access a memory that you've suppressed that is still playing out in your life today. So say you have an emotion like anger and you're trying to release that emotion, the practitioner might take you through something called the emotional release technique where you will go in and you'll identify the very first time in your entire life that you ever experienced the emotion of anger. 
and they'll take you to a safe place so that you don't actually experience the emotional charge in the moment, but you are able to retrieve that memory. What this does is it allows you to identify um, where this experience first became an issue for you. And like I said, a lot of the time this is happening in this big mixing pot um, subconsciously that we're not aware of. So by tapping into our subconscious mind, we can bring that to our conscious awareness. And then what we can do is we can go in and we can retrieve um, positive and empowering learnings from that experience and take those po positive and empower bleh, positive and empowering learnings forward with us and remove the emotional charge. So the practitioner has um, different techniques that they will do while you are on a call with them or if you're doing a session in person, they will utilize specific techniques to support you in being able to remove that emotional charge and replace it with something neutral or positive, um, such as the learnings that you were able to gather from that experience. And then um, forward pace, so allow you to imagine something happening in the future where you would normally experience that emotion, um, but observe yourself interacting with the world differently. And what this does is it primes your brain to actually respond differently when that experience occurs in the future. So really by going through a process like NLP, you're able to really kind of take the reins on your subconscious mind and um, allow yourself to reframe the past. Because like I said, when we're children, we're not viewing life through a critical and logical lens. So as adults, we don't often question that lens that we've developed. But now as adults, we have this logic and reasoning, but we might have a map of the world in our subconscious that wasn't developed using logic and reasoning. So by doing a process like NLP, we're able to go in as an adult and reframe our map of the world using this prefrontal cortex that we've now developed to create a sense of logic and reasoning around our experiences, which will allow us to move forward in our lives with a greater sense of empowerment. Mm. And the techniques are just so, so beautiful when you have, like, actually have that full embodiment experience, right? And often, you know, you can be going into them like, oh, gosh, I don't think I could ever remember the first time that, you know, I ever felt anger in my whole entire life. But when you're actually in that subconscious state, it's there's no question it's just boom like boom there it is you know like it's it it comes because it's all stored in that subconscious mm -hmm. um say for someone who may not you know readily have um access to an nlp practitioner um even though they should definitely reach out to yourself and definitely can reach out to me as well but um say say they didn't what are some kind of tools they can have in their toolbox to uh, like really rewire uh, their thoughts and actually uh, rewire their subconscious as well. Mm, definitely. So I love that you asked that question because something that I truly believe is that all of us do have the resources we, we need within us to feel empowered, to nourish ourselves mind, body, spirit wise. Um, I think we don't always have the support that we need in order to access those resources. So there's kind of like um, a differentiating factor between having the resources and having the support. Um, so I do definitely think that having somebody who can support you within that experience, especially if you're going through a difficult time where maybe there's a lot of external factors in your life that might be contributing to feelings of stress, um, or maybe you are working through some really deep things from the past that are coming up, I do think it's always a good idea to have some level of support within that, that journey. Um, but with that being said, I definitely understand that not everybody has access to support for various reasons. So I think doing things like journaling, some form of meditation, whether it's like an active meditation where you are going for a long walk and allowing yourself to be fully present and fully mindful. Um, sorry if you can hear that loud noise. I live really close to an airport, so there's a plane flying above my house at the moment. Um, but essentially doing something like an active meditation where maybe 
you're going for a walk and you're just really making an effort to either observe um, what's happening within you or observe what's happening around you. So depending on a person's um, mental health and natural disposition, different forms of mindfulness are useful for different types of people. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. So a person who might be very prone to anxiety, for some people, tuning inward can be good for them, but for other people, it can heighten their experience of anxiety because now they are acutely aware of their internal discomfort. So for a person like that, it might be more useful for them to do an active meditation like a walk and just look around and observe the beauty in the world around them and get them to be very mindfully present of the moment, but not necessarily present of their bodily sensations. So really, um, I just wanted to make point a, a point of that because I think sometimes we can use really big blanket statements around things like meditation and mindfulness and they are tools that can be so readily accessible to so many people, but at the same time they can be very deep tools that I think it's important to, this is why I think it's important to work with um, a professional who knows what they're doing because they can really help guide you and help you make sure that you're experiencing things in a really supportive way for you because it is nuanced. Um, but if you aren't able to do that, really just playing with it, allowing yourself to try different forms of mindfulness and seeing what feels good for you and um, not getting discouraged if you do have an experience where it's difficult for you to either try some form of meditation or yoga, understanding that it's your own journey and really allowing yourself to go through that journey. Um, and also, I think doing any sort of mindfulness technique and really incorporating this into your daily life can support you with your subconscious reprogramming. Um, really because what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to sort of stop the consistent stimulation that we're often exposed to and really tap into um, where you're at and opening up the channel for receiving intuitive guidance. So I think that when we look at something like subconscious reprogramming specifically, I don't know that there really is something that you can do fully on your own to fully rewire that subconscious without hiring a practitioner. But I do know that incorporating mindfulness techniques into your life is something that everyone can do for free um, as long as you are open to allowing yourself to experiencing different things and discerning what feels best for you. And then, of course, the reason why this is useful is because you are opening up that channel to receiving guidance about what you need for yourself um, in a supportive way. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. I've um, learned a bit about like actually being able to biohack the subconscious when you're when you're in those slow brainwave states. I'm interested to hear your opinion on that. Um, for instance, like first thing when you wake up or right before you go to bed or even doing like a subconscious task like walking on the beach or <laughs> shouldn't be driving but sometimes driving, <laughs> um, you know, like when, when you have those slow brainwave states, that's when your subconscious is more impressionable just like, you know, when you were in your first zero to seven years of life by actually repeating, you know, positive affirming um, affirmations for yourself or, or rewriting um, negative beliefs when you have those slower brainwave states? Is that something that's more um, impressionable and more accessible for people? Yeah, I actually really love that. Um, I feel like I don't know why I didn't think to address that because <laughs> this is definitely something that I do recommend to my clients as well. Um, I think when you asked that question, I was more so thinking about like very specific experiences and rewiring those. Um, so that is more so what I was discussing with my answer. Um, but in terms of just generally looking at the subconscious mind and generally taking some empowerment within that, definitely things like really utilizing that time before bed and that time first thing in the morning. So when you are in a sleepier state of mind, 
first thing in the morning or as you're falling asleep, your brain is a lot more receptive to information um, because you are in those slower brainwave states, the alpha and the theta states. So absolutely, um, something that I used to do a lot was I would put on a some kind of like motivational talk as I was waking up in the morning. So I'm someone who really doesn't like to get up quickly. I like to take my time in the morning. I'm not one to just like spring out of bed and go for a run. Um, so I found myself at a stage of life where I was going on my phone a lot in the morning because it was like a way of allowing my mind to wake up as my body was waking up. Um, but that wasn't very healthy for me because I was just bombarding my brain with like so much stimulation first thing. And I have a lot of clients who experience this as well. So something that I always recommend is putting on, um, there's one in particular that I love, it's Abraham Hicks, and she is talking about it's a good morning. So if you just Google like Abraham Hicks good morning <laughs> rampage, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I can tell by your reaction already, Crystal. Um, yeah. um, but it's an amazing one. Um, it's basically just this this woman who is talking about how it's a good morning and like really allowing you to like raise your vibration into that feeling of having a good morning. And when I was transitioning and really trying to rewire my subconscious mind and I decided, you know, I don't want to start my days off by going on my phone first thing, what I would do is for 28 days, so there are studies that show that um, 28 days is how long it takes to make a change within your your mind um, and we learn through repetition so for 28 days what I did was first thing in the morning I would roll over I'd pick up my phone I'd go straight onto YouTube and I'd play this video and as I was waking up I would lay there and I would listen to her speak about having a good day and having a good morning and that really allowed my mind to really absorb this idea of waking up and feeling in your body, in your mind, like on a visceral level that you're going to have a good day. And it's great because now when I wake up in the morning, I hear her talk. Um, that's like the, the narrative that's playing in my mind within my own thoughts. So I wake up and first thing I think is, it's a good morning. This is a really good morning this is a good day. <laughs> and it's it's like I've memorized this, this talk. Um, so absolutely, like making use of that time in the morning and before bed to really be intentional about what you're filling your mind with can be a really supportive way to nourish your mind and um, allow you to start to ingrain thought patterns into your subconscious, creating new neural pathways as well that can really support your your view of the world. Did we just become best friends? I don't know. Yeah, we're the same um, person. <laughs> yeah. So funny. I was grinning when you were explaining uh, Abraham Hicks' video because that is something that I listen to very often first thing in the morning. Um, definitely like walking on the beach in that subconscious state first thing in the morning and this beautiful sunrise and just today is a good day. Today I feel so tuned in, tapped on, turned on to who I'm supposed to be. I literally get so high vibing that I, um, I, I dance along the beach to sunrise in the morning to this video. It just feels so special and the same now. I wake up and the first thing I do is I start listing gratitudes. Um, and I think that there's just so much power in actually having that really beautiful morning routine first thing when your brain's so um, so waking up and so having those so having those and having those slow brain waves when it's most impressionable. So that's beautiful. I love that. And I could honestly talk to you all day about these kind of things, but I just really want to honor your time as well. Um, just to round out, I've just got so much value from this as well. Uh, in terms of you, I really want to ask you my question that I ask on the end of every podcast, which is what is your higher self trying to tell you right now that you might not be listening to? Ooh, I love that question. Um, and definitely agree with you. I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> I think that my highest self is trying to tell me to surrender more deeply and trust in myself and in my life. I am somebody who has always been a chronic overthinker. You could definitely classify me as like an A-type personality. 
um, which is probably why I'm so interested in like yoga and meditation. It's really funny. My partner is always like, aren't you a yoga teacher? Like whenever I get stressed out and it's like, yes, like the reason that I do yoga is because I need it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that I am definitely prone to putting a lot of pressure on myself and it's very easy for me to listen to that pressure and listen to that internal dialogue and just, um, I can be quite impatient, just like really wanting my goals to happen now. And I think my higher self is constantly telling me to relax and surrender into the flow of life, into my own divine timing, um, really allowing myself to trust. And I wouldn't say this is something that I'm not aware of. I definitely am aware that my higher self is telling me this. (laughs) So I think that's also part of what comes with you know, really making an effort to tap into yourself is you kind of become aware. It's like this dual awareness of your earth self and your higher self. And like, they're just always having a conversation. (laughs) I know exactly how you feel. And it's funny, sometimes you can just get so engrossed in this like um, dialogue between the two, like, okay, who am I listening to? Like, what's going on? Yeah. angel and devil on your shoulders <laughs> yeah amazing well thank you so much and um for anyone who wants to connect with you and maybe chat a bit more um where can they find you yeah absolutely so i have a website it is desireemichelle.net my name is spelled d-e-s-i-r-e-e-m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e dot net and on my website my website is linked to both my personal and my professional pages on Instagram. I'm also starting a podcast very soon that will be launching, so keep an eye out for that. Um, my Instagram handles are Desiree Michelle B. That is my personal, and then my professional one is Worthy Woman Wellness Initiative. <laughs> so you can find me in any of those ways. I would be more than happy to connect with you. And I'm actually currently doing an intake for my next round of Inner Alchemy, which is an eight-week um, intensive experience for the woman who wants, who knows she wants more for herself. Um, so it's really a holistic lifestyle transformation where you will receive personal support from me. And I'm currently doing my next intake for the round that begins on May 10th. That is so special. And I will pop all your details in the show notes as well. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, lovely lady. It's been so cool to chat to you and actually get to know you a bit more and realize how similar we are. It's crazy. (laughs) So thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me on, Crystal. It was an absolute pleasure. (laughs) No worries at all. Bye, everyone. Bye.